interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Take Two of Not a Robot Podcast's DC Comics Review Show, Episode One Hundred and One. Uh, as always, I have my amazing co-host joining me today, Rob. What's up, Dregs? Awesome. Uh, very, very fitting, considering some of the some of the books for this week. Uh, and Josh. Howdy, guys! It's pretty shway being here. So shway. Yep. So shway. Freaking rip. Uh, today on the show, we will be covering, um, and give me a second to actually pull that up, uh, Detective Comics 1061, <laughs> Action Comics 1044, Robin 15, Deathstroke Inc. number 10, uh, as well as some other books that we will mention in our Spotlight and Honorable Mention section. Uh, but before uh, you... Uh, before you move on, make sure you stick to the end of each episode to hear our top three books for this week, uh, The Biggest Stinker, and to find out which titles might just make the dumb list. If you would like to support us further, please visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash podcast for either a one-time donation or subscription for access to our Discord, as well as other exclusive content available on the network. Uh, but with that out of the way, let's get into some news for this week. Guys, what's, uh, what's new? Again? Uh, well... <laughs> Again, yeah. <laughs> uh, just a little bit of news in the indie comics area. Um, Seven Secrets has finally come to a close at the little Tom Taylor passion project with Daniel DiNicuolo. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been a hell of a ride, 18 issues. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and I think it ended quite nicely. I don't know if you guys have been reading it thus far, but definitely worth a check out. I uh, still need to catch up uh, to issue 12, but uh, yeah. <laughs> at some point I'll, I'll just, you know, take a day out and, uh, and just finish the whole thing in uh, in one yep. fell swoop. Yeah. As, as mentioned be before, done. at least you, you have a point of, or a point to reach. There's no more to come. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's honestly uh, the hardest thing when you're binging a series and you're trying to catch up, but it just keeps going. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, the yeah. end goal just keeps fucking going further and further away. Yeah. What's the fucking point? I don't have the energy yeah, for this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you wouldn't want it to be just meandering for too long. Um, yeah, but hopefully, speaking of no, things no. that are not meandering, yeah, how is I hate uh, it when how is... I'm watching the show on Netflix or whatever, and I have to wait a week in between the episodes. That drives <laughs> me insane. Yeah. I just want to binge it and then watch another show. Uh, binge yeah. that one and then watch another one. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's been so long since I've watched this show that I'm, well, I, I shouldn't say that because I'm literally watching The Boys and that comes out with a new episode every week. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel like I don't watch that many shows where I, I just wait around for a new episode. It's usually just like I watch them in bulk. Yeah, yeah. but The Boys won't let us do that. And it's bullshit. No. Yeah. Like, Which I won't let us do that either. I, 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 yeah. I appreciate it for the boys, at least with this season, because it's been, like, so much that it gives me, like, a week to just breathe and decompress, which I think is is fair (laughs) after this week's episode. Like, I'm still not sure I'm mentally equipped for episode seven, but uh, hopefully I'll be there by Friday. (laughs) Poor M.M. That's all I can say. For as as bad as it could have been, 
the episode for Herogasm was way tamer than I was expecting. Yeah, but it was still yeah, bad. Like bad countries than, than, like. But yeah, it was definitely like it was very than corny. other episodes. Yeah. yeah. Like, there, there was not as much gratuitous gore, but there was definitely gratuitous other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, poor <laughs> M.M. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. He just wanted to find the bathroom, yeah. man. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, well, Rob, why don't you uh, tell us how uh, Comic-Con was for uh, right. your, your local Comic-Con? Yeah, up in, uh, or down, I guess, from here, London Comic-Con in London, Ontario, they're called Forest City Comic Con. It used to be called London Comic Con. Uh, I guess not to be confused with London on the other side of the planet. I I don't know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it was it was fun. I, I was working the con, selling uh, some of my dad's books. He he'd booked nice. the table. He had actually a lot of tables booked for the past couple of years that he booked back in 2019, and then COVID hits, and then he unfortunately passed. So we've canceled a lot of the booths, but we decided to do this one because we got family over there. And it was well worth it. It was a lot of fun. It's great meeting uh, all sorts of people. We've all done cons. You see lots of interesting people and meet some some great characters and awesome cosplays. I also met Richard Comley, creator of uh, a little character known as Captain Canuck that you may have heard of. Uh, Maybe the most famous Canadian character in existence. I'm spitballing here. That's... That's probably Alpha Flight. <laughs> um, oh shit! No, Wolverine. What am I thinking? Yeah, honestly, sometimes Alpha I forget Wolverine is Canadian. Second, yeah, I honestly yeah. sometimes forget. And Deadpool. Non-mutant Canadian. Yeah, non-mutant Canadian. That's fair. I feel like we're yeah. forgetting a whole shitload of them for some. Oh, reason. definitely, definitely. <laughs> there's, there's. Oh god, there's got to be so many of them. In in the future, I'm kicking myself that it's like, oh shit, so was that person? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but it, that was a fun experience, a lot of fun. I had my my little girl there, uh, dressed up as Sailor Moon. She was a hit of the con. Was told more than once that she had the best cosplay there, or at least the best Sailor Moon cosplay, which I, I feel might have been a slap in the face too to some of the other Sailor Moon cosplays there. But but she was really cute. <laughs> She was really cute. Yeah. Little Sailor Moon costume, and then the hat looked, looked like Sailor Moon's long hair, little braids yeah. on either side. It was really cute. Yeah, which was was knitted by uh, Outer Robot's own Jess. Thank you, Jess, right? Yeah, that's an amazing little hat. <coughs> but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, in other news, we got a little reveal this week. Uh, finally, we have a trailer for Harley Quinn, the animated series season three. I have not yet watched it. I understand Brandon has, and we do have a release yes. date of July 28th, if I remember correctly. Uh, it looks to be a lot of fun. I hope so. Like yeah. I said, I haven't watched no, it. The, the, the trailer was, was really funny and uh, seems to be building off of the, uh, the Eat, Bang, Kill Tour comic that I did not check out, um, but... Uh, now that but I know you it's like kind of connected to that, um, yeah, yeah, I'll definitely check it out at some point. I know, um, I think his name is Max Sarin, who did um, um, a couple of books over at Boom that are pretty popular. Um, and I, like, I've seen his art style before, and it's really interesting, um, very expressive. So, 
definitely eager to check that out. Um, and it'll be nice to you know have that before that show properly comes out. But yeah, it looks to just be having as much fun as the last two seasons did. Um, so it'll be nice when it when it finally drops. Yeah, you definitely also apparently the Court of Owls that. are in it, and it's like a like a as with the entire show, it's like a parody version of the Court of Owls, which to me is, mm. is very comical. But uh, please tell me the only like place I eyes wide shut version. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, the only that's, place that's I feel Toby like he's appropriate. <laughs> when he's not calling women, uh, you know, that word. Yeah. Sweetheart. <laughs> Let's, uh, yeah. Not yeah. even, not even going to yeah. attempt to say that one here. No. Yeah. It's something else. Not, not something to say for sure, but... No. They they used it brilliantly that he got canceled as a supervillain for doing <laughs> even the other supervillain community was like, dude, too far. <laughs> uh, I watched that scene so many times. And yeah. the thing that gets me is like <laughs> Wonder Woman looks so like genuinely offended by it. Like even though they're having like deadly combat before that, like, you know, they're they're enemies. She's like, Oh my god, yeah. like yeah, we were fighting and you everything, just... but you you don't have to say that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, oh my god, I can't believe you would say that to me. Like, yeah, we were sparring and everything, but that's that's crossing the line, man. Yeah. All right, damn it. Now I'm going to have to go and rewatch it. <laughs> yeah. Just, every time. I, have to. I don't have a choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, so, many, so many great voice actors in that show, man. Oh, man. Yeah. I was going to say, it's worth it to watch uh, Diedrich Bader as Batman again, but it's also worth yes. it to watch uh, Jim Gordon. It's also worth it to watch uh, King, um, King Shark and, and fucking Alan Tudyuk doing all his voices. And <laughs> oh my God, yeah. He's having Quinn way too much fun, I think. Oh, his clay face. Um, when when yeah. the show started, my dad and I were, like made the, the thought that... Um, between Kaylee Cuoco and Alan Tudyk, they've got to have a bet going just to see who can say fuck more in an episode. Honestly, I, I could definitely yeah. see that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is something to look forward to. Season three is on the way. Yeah. Thankfully, very happy about that. Uh, yeah, we have uh, pretty much a, specifically a month to go before it comes. It's great to see. And another reveal as of six hours ago, Joshua Williamson tweeted out, introducing to Dark Crisis a brand new legacy character, the Red Canary, uh, which I've shared in our little chat. The character designed by Dan Moore, which looks really good. And we did yeah, speculate. It, it looks a lot like Emiko. I, I can agree with that. Brandon mentioned it looked like Emiko. Yeah, I was thinking either Emiko or Shoes, but I think Emiko would be more appropriate to take on the Black Canary yeah. Mantle, just because she was really close to Ollie and Dinah. I was thinking Shoes too, but shoe, like the, the character design here looks a lot older than Shoes mm-hmm. should be. Yeah. Zero what? I don't know, Red Canary's got some pretty kick and shoes right now, so... Yeah, but yeah, it, it seems like <laughs> the best guess, just based on the connection. Yeah. And it's it's Red Canary, and she was Red Arrow, yeah. so... Yeah, kind of works. I mean, yeah, the, the problem is, the face is right there, but it doesn't stand out as anybody. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I know, like, I, I you want to... 
yeah, you, you want to try and match it to someone, but it's just, I don't know. Like it's, it's I almost want to say Alicia Yo from Batgirl. Could be it too, yeah. Kind of looks like, like her. But she, she made an appearance in um, the DC Pride book this month mm-hmm. and put on a mask and everything and did the superhero thing. So yeah, <laughs> wouldn't put it past her to put on another costume. No. Yeah, it could be. Be interesting yeah. to see how she kind of became connected to Black Canary. Because if I remember correctly, she was roommates with Batgirl. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, we'll find out. It's uh, Dark Crisis number three. We will see the first appearance of Red Canary. Uh, I'm not sure when that's coming out. It says the final order cutoff mm-hmm. for the issue is July 10th. Uh, so I think that's a month ahead. So. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it should be because we have issue two in July, so issue three would be in August. Mm-hmm. And that is about all the news I've got, apart from complaining about Nintendo dropping the ball on a E3 direct in June. Oh lord, there may I not be an E3, mean... but goddamn it, it's June. Give us a direct. <laughs> I'm not talking about a specific game direct or a mini partner direct. I want a full direct. Damn if it. you think hey, we're going to get ranting. any kind of teases for Breath of the Wild, you're teasing yourself. You know Man you can are. dream, okay? <laughs> no, you are. They're, they're going to they're gonna just hold it out until, like, you know, early 2023, and then they're going to drop some more gameplay footage. They'll be like, oh, it's out at the end of the year. See, we gave you something to look forward to. But, yeah, right. I'm, I'm, expecting we'll be, I'm expecting we'll be dry for the rest of the year. But that's just because I'm a oh, horrible yeah. pessimist. I mean, I think it was last year was Legend of Zelda's 30th anniversary, and and we got yes. basically drag face <laughs> compared to Mario's 30th anniversary uh, <laughs> or 35th. I just yeah. know I'm tired of waiting. <laughs> yeah. As are we all. I I just I'll settle for Metroid Prime Four. I know that's probably even longer <laughs> oh, away. Man. Yeah, now you're really dreaming. <laughs> Want a uh, new F Zero? <laughs> okay, I'm done. A new F Zero would be awesome. I'm, would I'm be. down with that. It's never um, happening. <laughs> yeah, I know it's that happening. Nice. I don't want to play like another like Forza game or like <laughs> just like, like a the new Forza looks <laughs> good, but F Zero though. <laughs> no, Mother Three will yeah, get a Western release before we get a new F Zero game. Uh, yeah, and Nintendo's pretty much said it's never happening. So, <laughs> which is weird because I real I really thought they were gonna just bring that to the Switch and just be done with it. Like, okay, fine, stop complaining, we did it. But you know, maybe not. I, it was such a tease <laughs> when last year they announced the Mother Collection, mm-hmm. which had the first two games <laughs> coming to Nintendo yeah. Switch. But uh, no, not Mother Three. You. <laughs> Still nothing. <laughs> you need to get that cough looked at, man. Yeah, sorry. No, not a cough. Water went down the wrong pipe. I'm so sorry. Oh, sure. ah. <clears throat> yeah, right? Ooh, okay. No, I'm better now. Yeah. Right. Jesus. <clears throat> that was terrible. All right. Well. Uh yeah, that's it for me. I, I think I'm I'm done ranting. I can go on all night about Nintendo. Uh, 
Christ. <clears throat> they, they've irked me for 10 years. Fair enough. Well, as far as me goes, I had a scare for the <clears throat> last few days on my computer, but it's all better now. And uh, James Tynan's House of Slaughter, the Butcher's Mark, it came out collected today and uh, was able to take a look through it. Wasn't able to read it, but uh, it looks pretty good. Uh, yeah, I uh, tell me how you feel about that one. I don't want to. I don't want to. Like, just just take my opinion with a grain of salt. But I I did read that one because I was a huge fan of something that's killed me children. Still am, but I wasn't in love with that one. Um, as a spinoff title, it was decent. Um, but I, I think maybe because James himself wasn't really initiating, he wasn't doing the scripting. It was Tate Brumball. Um, and maybe it was just a little bit longer than it needed to be. I don't know, but like if I had to rate it, I would probably give it like a three and a half out of five. And I was really looking forward to that one. But let me know how you feel about it. Uh, you you may have a different after I get a chance me. to read it. I will. Yeah, um, but yeah, I wasn't I wasn't as in love with that one as I wished I could have been. All right, um, Brandon, do you have any news before I bring up the other books that came out this week? I did. Just a couple of brief things. Um, we are coming to a close on Pride Month, um, but I figured it's at least worth throwing this title out there because it just came out this week uh, right at the end of Pride Month, uh, and it's, it's worth your time, I would say. That's a book from Image called Sins the Black Flamingo. It's a five-issue mini from Andrew Wheeler, Travis Moore, uh, who's incredible, um, Tamara Bonvillain, and uh, Aditya Bidikar. Um, that one is basically just about a, a very, uh, <laughs> a very personable, if not very sarcastic and slightly nihilistic, uh, queer thief who purloins rare artifacts and, uh, yeah, just kind of goes about his way. Um, and it's shaping up to be a pretty interesting mystery so far. Um, but I, I remember when this was announced a couple months ago and it was like right up my alley cause I, I love these kind of like very sarcastic, very witty characters, um, and, and this one was no exception to that. Um, and it just has the most gorgeous artwork you've ever seen from Travis Moore in your life. Like, I thought him on Nightwing was good, but this is, like, blowing out of the water. Um, and uh, just as an extra promotion, um, which I think is definitely worth supporting the book, um, it rather proudly uh, supports, I believe, an entire queer team. I know at least Travis Moore, Tamara Bonvillain, and Aditya Bidikar are all... Um, are, are all queer, but I don't know about uh, Wheeler and Andy Corey, so I don't want to assume. Um, but I think that's that's just really cool. Like they, they just put together a very diverse team uh, and uh, you know working on oh, a, yeah, a really great is. project. So yeah, no sins of the black flamingo. First issue just came out this week. Uh, check it out. Um, a second one, and this one made me kind of angry. But I, I suspected something like this was going to happen because this bullshit always happens. Um, Image is releasing a new version of uh, Peter Tomasi, Keith Champagne, um, Peter Snyeburg, however you say that last name, um, and what? Chris Samney's The Mighty, um, which I read a little while ago. They had a, a beautiful edition they put out at Dark Horse, and I, and I got it for very cheap, and I was very excited, and I read it, and I got it signed near Comic-Con, and I was like, this will be great. Like, I'll just enjoy this version. They put a lot of love into it. And then they pulled this bullshit. 
And this happens every single time I get a version of something. I swear to God, I, I, will, I will go out of my way to try and track it down, and then some asshole decides that they want to put out a new deluxe version. I can tell you this has happened at least three times in the past like two years. It's nuts. Like I got oh, Last of the no. Independence with Matt Fraction and Kieran Dwyer. A couple months later... Brand new hardcover. Check it out. I was like, fuck you. I got Aerosmith from Kurt Busiek. <laughs> I was like, this will be great. Like, I don't think they're ever going to put out a new version. And of course, they decide to put out a new hardcover version. That fall, like a month after I got my copy. And I was so pissed. And this always happens. Um, so I just... I mean, I would say support it. It's, it's actually a really good series. Um, and... I they I I can send you guys the article, um, but they kind of go into detail a little bit about about why they wanted to re-release the series, um, just because it, it didn't really perform that well at the time when it came out in two thousand nine, um, but they're hoping that kind of with the current market, especially with shows like The Boys and Invincible, that it'll be able to do a little bit better. And I agree with that because I, I feel like this was probably overshadowed by Irredeemable at the time, but I can't say. Um, but I suspect that was probably the case. Uh, but I think I think re-releasing it'll be a good thing uh, if, if they're looking for a new audience. And it, it's definitely a book that's worth your time. It's just a, a really good kind of superhero thriller. Um, but uh, no, I'm I'm pissed because of course they're putting out a new fucking version after just got mine. So <sighs> I, I'll just have to. So the next that time again. you think you're gonna buy one, you just wait a couple of months. I don't want to though. It's just because I'm an impatient <laughs> bastard. But like, I it's just it's my curse. Um, but anyway, no, I, I would definitely say yeah, check it out if you haven't already read the series. It's really good, um, and uh, definitely worth more attention than it got at the time. Um, and oh, I guess my last one was also going to be the Harley Quinn trailer. So that's really it for me. Oh man, I'm gonna have to check that out as soon as we get done off this broadcast. Here, I can. Um, I'll send you guys the, uh, the article. Right on. It's um <clears throat> got a couple of books that came out that we're not covering this week. Uh, Bat Cat number twelve. That's the wrap up of the series, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if that's your thing go read it i wouldn't i can't imagine anybody else still is um batman fortress number two that one's really not for me it got a little weird and also one that i just kind of feel like doesn't need to be here harley quinn same thing um on a good note uh dc vampires killers is a fun book we didn't need it but it does um it does add to the lore a little bit it, it wasn't a bad read it was just kind of extraneous didn't need it at all and the art really wasn't my kind of thing um but batman beyond the white knight number four seriously is such such a good read gotta check those out at least at least beyond the white knight number four the rest <laughs> you can probably just leave alone <clears throat> Yeah, Beyond the White Knight is just friggin' amazing. Yeah. It really is. But uh, that's all I've got for honorable mentions. Yeah. Is it time to uh, move on? Yeah. Oh, I had one like minor thing, but I think this is mostly just for me and you, Josh. I said it 
into Discord earlier this week, um, but they might have overlooked it. But I, I follow Ed Brisson's newsletter because um, I have nothing in my life that's interesting to follow. Um, and uh, he announced, wow. not really announced, but just was sort of typing about some of the stuff that he has coming up. And one of them was that him and Adam Gorham are apparently still talking, or at least had a, a talk as recently as last week about how they're going to put out the Violent Volume 2. So nothing official, oh, wow. but at least you know that like they're still having discussions about it, which I was very excited about. So yeah, hopefully no, one that's day we good can get news. it properly. Good news. Yeah. All right, well, yeah, I mean, uh, I I don't have anything else, so if you guys are ready, we can uh, shift that spotlight over to a couple of uh, books for this week that we think are worth checking out. Sounds like a plan, man. Yeah. All right, well then, to kick it off, we'll start with The Swamp Thing, number 14, brought to us by the incredible Titan team of Mr. Rob V with Mike Perkins on the art. Colors from Mike Spicer and letters from Aditya Bidikar. Uh, this one actually went by pretty fast, so my summary will not be too long. But uh, as we had established in the last issue, an army of what appear to be spores or something like that are making their way through space and are back or fastly approaching Earth. Uh, and how Jordan has teamed up with Levi Kamei to figure out how to deal with that before they mobilize as an official army. Um, I was very excited to see Hal team up with Levi. I don't know about you guys, so already this one had me um, ready to go. Um, but the issue mostly focuses on Levi speaking to the collective mind of the spores, trying to convince them that humanity is in some ways worth saving because of humanity's connection to Earth and, and the green and everything else, and sort of how they all tie together in that hippie nonsense trash that uh, your, your grandpa probably wouldn't agree with. Um, meanwhile, there's some other uh, machinations in the background uh, with the uh, Parliament of Gears, who are, as we saw in the last issue, continue to mobilize their own army, uh, growing out of the factory, um, and we briefly are, are uh, reunited with Trinity, the living embodiments of the uh, atom bomb testing or just atomic weapons testing um, that we saw in the last issue. Um, no real updates there, just that she sees what's going on with the Parliament of Gears and also sees Levi um, and the uh, collective spores uh, returning to Earth. Uh, they make their way, they make, excuse me, they make their way back. Um, and Levi finds that his connection to the green, as well as the power that he can take from the green, has been all but spent, uh, as they've given it uh, to Jacob uh, at this point. Uh, and, and Hal is checking in and trying to see if there's anything else that he can do to jumpstart the process, which leads to one of the coolest moments. I mean, I'm still reeling from the, the Superman-Batman hybrid from last week, but i got to say this is a pretty cool second, I'm not going to lie, um, which Hal Jordan decides that the only way to really get uh, Levi back on his feet and give him the energy that he needs is infusing him with willpower and one of the coolest uh, lantern-charging moments you ever saw, which he does, uh, and gives Levi the power of a green lantern, yes, with his very own green lantern symbol on his chest. Uh, I don't know, this was really awesome. Um, I mean, I, I was just excited because, I mean, this book has been pretty contained, and I really appreciated that. But um, I, I do think it's nice that they're opening up the universe a little bit more. I mean, I know they brought in the Suicide Squad and uh, Amanda Waller a little bit and had some Batman cameos here and there. But 
for the most part, it's been pretty contained. But to see him actually, you know, team up with another member of the DCU and not be like condescending or have like the cliche that you would expect of, oh, they're going to fight now because that's what heroes do. Like I was reading an issue of Savage Dragon yesterday and it made the funniest joke where it was like Bad Rock and Savage Dragon meet for the first time and they just fight. And after it's over, Bad Rock's like, why did you do that? And he's like, well, that's what they do in Marvel books. They just fight when they first meet. Um, so I'm glad they didn't do that. I'm, I'm glad they did not do that. Um, Hal was actually <laughs> I- incredibly touching and, and really sweet here. Like it, So much so that I would love to see Rom V do something more with Green Lantern. We're getting Aquaman, Void Song right now, or not Void Song, uh, Andromeda. Um, and uh, obviously he's taking over Detective. But hey, I'm like, if you want to step into the... the Green Lantern quarter of the DC Universe, I'm not going to complain. Um, so that was really cool, just seeing his interactions with Hal and everything. Um, it was really satisfying. And as always, Mike Perkins is outdoing himself with each issue. I mean, like I, every time I, I turn a page, I'm like, fuck, like this, this art is just blowing me away. And you think it's going to like peak at some point, but it never does. So uh, it's just yeah. a really satisfying read all around. So I gave this one a 9 out of 10. I'm just digging this series and I think the saddest part is that it's going to end in two issues. We hope not. I'm yeah, still we hope, not, hope that there's but, another uh, surprise announcement after issue uh, 15. That, hey, we got I another know. five issues coming. That would season be three, hilarious. Let's though, go. If they, if they if they if they did another one and it was like it was season three, but it was issue 17. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like 17 of 25. They're like, oh my god, just make it an ongoing at that point. Okay. That might, honestly, the way it's going, because we're getting so many miniseries these days and not mm-hmm. enough ongoings, that could potentially just be the future. Let's go story by story. Like, okay, we're going to have a set number of issues. We get near the end. I got another story to tell. Okay, just increase it by this yeah. point. Yeah, why not? Yeah, that could be it going forward. I'm, I'm not totally against that, actually. Because if, if it's a pseudo-ongoing, it's still good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if if they can just keep the it story going, like keep reading. I don't, I don't really have a problem with it. Like, yeah. is that kind of like Hellboy? Yes, but do I care? At least right now, not really. Although it probably is pretty bad for the market, so I should care. Yes, yeah. you definitely should care. Yeah, for some diehard collectors, it might piss them off. <laughs> yeah, I know that many number yeah. ones would like give a man a stroke. <laughs> Um, as for this issue, God, I love the art. I know you went off on the art. You went on and on about it. And I, I just, there's nothing else to say. It's beautiful. <laughs> Every uh, page so was just, the splash pages were amazing. They were intense, so detailed. They're beautiful. They belong in a museum. They should be hung up on a wall for crying out loud. <laughs> I want some for my wall. Yes. And not just like a poster, like seriously, like, that's not a fucking portrait. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you could teach theory classes about frame. this work. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I will say, uh, this will be easily the best story featuring a Green Lantern this year, and that includes the actual <laughs> why Green I Lantern think, book. <laughs> yeah, which is which is why I think if if he if he just wasn't stretching himself so thin, um, I would definitely recommend Rom V for some future Green Lantern stuff, but uh, I know he's got yeah, a million okay. stuff he's working yeah. on, so. And I feel but, like Green Lantern and and no matter what form you take it, the the, the core or 
a buddy cop story or hell, which is always cosmic and spanning huge. Um, it would have to be somebody that can dedicate like all of their time to Green Lantern because mm, yeah. if if you don't, Unless I feel like Jeff Johns. Yeah. Well, yeah. You just, if you phone it in or, you know, it's not your singular focus, it's not going to be a good Green Lantern story arc. And I feel like we've got plenty of those that aren't good. Yeah. Because there's, there's, there's so many characters in even just the one book. And you could say, I'm going to write a Green Lantern book about this one character, but eventually there's going to be a dozen and a half more just popping in. No matter what yeah. you do, no matter how you try to write the story, you're going to have other Green Lanterns show up. It, it's just natural yeah. at this point. Like, yeah. like Green Lantern Swamp Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, that might be my favorite aspect. Uh, speaking, at least from a GL standpoint, that he really took the idea of the ring from the classic approach, where the ring could pretty much do anything. Um, and it's not just constructs and willpower like you can just give the power to somebody else and give that person superpowers that he didn't have 10 minutes ago yeah i like that aspect so yeah i'm, I'm all down for ron v doing a, a geometric story sure. maybe this will inspire him some some yeah. uh somewhat with some stories that'd be cool uh for the issue though honestly 9.25 uh, honestly, I, I feel like I should score it higher. <laughs> it's, it's so beautiful. <laughs> well, I liked it. I did. Um, I uh, the the I never thought I'd ever see a Green Lantern Swamp Thing, and that was cool as shit. I didn't see that coming. But I can't wait to see what's next. Um, not only is the art great, like always, like you guys have said, but I love the way that they draw Trinity here, the avatar of the nuclear age, um, which apparently she is named after the first nuclear bomb, by the way. Um, the the story, this part, it goes a bit outside of where we normally are with the Swamp Thing book, but it's it's done in a good way. And I, like I said, I can't wait to see where we're going from here. Um, these new parliaments make sense to exist, gears in the nuclear age, and how it all c- c- comes together has me really interested. I, I really liked it. I gave it an 8.5 uh, out of 10. Nice. All right, well, I then we'll move on to... Part. Oh. Sorry, I just wanted to like uh, add on. My favorite part about it is that the the book is still just a focus on Levi. That mm. you see the battle between uh, Jacob as the the avatar of the green and the avatar of the the gear in battle, and you see this whole war happening. But the focus is still just on Levi, and like the whole big war is happening in the background, and just the framing of that, I think, was really well done oh yeah yeah really just really well constructed and everything um it's not it's not pulling your attention in too many different directions i know i I just i love the design of of uh jacob's like swamp thing yeah if you you can call it that or jacob as the avatar like it's just a really sick one like the horns and everything 
Oh, that right. was the the joke I was gonna make. I, I forgot it for a second. I should have wrote it down, but um, it kind of reminded me of like with the with the two parliaments going to war, um, kind of like Rot World. And I was gonna say maybe this is like Gear World, if you want to call it that. Um, which, I mean, I don't know if you could build an entire event out of that, um, but I'm, I'm sure you could certainly try. Uh, I'm, I'm sure this will give us. Uh, don't the, tease the same me. amount of enjoyment yeah. Um, but yeah don't tease me the war of the parliaments just sounds so yeah. beautiful it's not even funny man right. yeah yeah well uh, you'll have to do that when you write Swamp Thing oh man um, it better come a whole lot faster than mm-hmm. that <laughs> yeah alright well uh, if we're all done gabbing about Swamp Thing. Let's gab about a title that I hope is also as satisfying, uh, and that is Aquaman number five. This is the conclusion to our, um, uh, I don't really know what to call this arc, the the scavenger the arc, the uh, sleeper agent arc, whatever. Um, but yeah, this is sort of the culmination of everything. Uh, it's, it's been, yeah, yeah. Everything that it's been building towards uh, for the last couple issues, and, and really going back to Aquaman: The Becoming. Uh, but in this one, following the explosion at the UN building, Jackson is checking in Hawaii and making sure that he is doing okay. Um, and Jackson is sort of reassuring him that he is going to find the culprit behind this and make sure that they get their justice. They're going to shut everything down, make sure all these sleeper agents are taken care of. Um, and make sure that there's just no more nonsense violence. They don't want Atlantis uh, and the surface world to go to war. They don't need any of that kind of stuff. Um, meanwhile, we cut to Arthur and uh, Black Manta working together with the Manta Men, um, and they have teamed up to rescue a, uh, a collapsed airliner, um, which really is more to prove a point, uh, as Steve Trevor shows up later, um, and sort of questions why they're there, um, and, and Aquaman is, you know, sort of trying to let him know that, yeah, he's connected to Atlantis, but he's still a hero, um, and Trevor is sort of chiding him on that, saying, well, clearly you're trying to make it as public as possible, you're not really concerned about doing good, you're just trying to make yourself look good, and that that old bag, um, but uh, we, can, we can see that Arthur is doing his best to make sure that the crisis uh, that's happening on the surface um, is not damaging the relations to Atlantis any further. Um, we cut to uh, Jackson and Mira, who are working together to build a receiver, one that will completely uh, cut off the signals from the sleeper agents um, that are still on the surface and make sure that they can cause no more harm. Um, and basically, everyone has their tasks. Aquaman is making sure that uh, the, the survivors are taken care of while also going to New York to hunt for some of the remaining sleeper agents. Garth is in Metropolis, also looking for some of the sleeper agents. And Black Manta is in Star City. Uh, spying on Scavenger um, and trying to see what he plans to do next, but decides that he is going to follow his own plan um, and decides to shoot Scavenger, getting some justice for uh, Scavenger attacking his son. Uh, Scavenger, who has some of the uh, extra powers that were mentioned in the last issue, has a sort of awareness that Black Manta has fired a shot off at him um, and is able to teleport fast enough to escape the bullet and also um, get the upper hand on Manta. And so they're fighting through different locations, they're teleporting, they're in the Hall of Justice where uh, Tula is coordinating with the rest of the Aqua fam, 
they go to the Atlantean High Council where they're freaking out because they don't know why uh, scavengers made it deep below the surface. Um, and then finally they make their way to Jackson and uh, Mira who are still working on the receiver but are worried that this interference from Black Manta and Scavenger might disrupt their plans. Uh, Jackson, who immediately wants to help his dad, is told by his dad that the best thing for him to do is to do the right thing because that's what Aquaman would do and so on and so on. So he decides to go back, make sure that the receiver is working, and in fact uses his own powers, uh, his own aquakinetic powers, mixed with the trident to amplify the receiver and completely cut off the signals from the sleeper agents, thereby nullifying all of them. All but one, it seems, uh, as Garth informs them later on, because while the signal was cut off and all the rest of the sleeper agents have surrendered, one named Moss has escaped, uh, and as we later find out, has made his way to the Atlantean High Council, where he is about to detonate. So yeah, this one was, uh, I mean, I would definitely say a pretty exciting, definitely thrilling conclusion. Um, <clears throat> I think I realized that the, the problem that I had with this book, if any, really, and I think I just realized it reading this issue, um, was that it's probably a great monthly read, but I'm just reading so many other books that sometimes I just forget plot points. So I, I was reading this issue, and there were things that I had kind of forgotten about, so I had to go back to issue four and remind myself, like, where everyone was. And that, that really kind of sucks, because every time I read this an issue of this series, I really dig it. I really enjoy the story they've been telling so far, but I think just because I'm reading a million other things, sometimes it just kind of gets lost uh, in the weeds. But I think I'll just have to go back and give the whole five-issue arc a proper reread at some point so I can really stick in my mind. Um, but yeah, other than that, just really exciting uh, great art from Sami Basri, as usual, um, and I, my favorite part, honestly, is just seeing all the, the Aqua fam characters work together. Like, we never get enough of that, but seeing Arthur and Jackson and Tula and Mira and Garth all working together as a team, you know, treated equal in ways and, and all participating was just really satisfying to see. Um, and a great moment between uh, Black Manta and Jackson, um, and, and a surprisingly few great moments between Arthur and Black Manta in particular, you never would have thought a relationship, a, a like bromance relationship might be building between those two sworn enemies, but but here we are witnessing it happen. Um, so yeah, it's, it's got a lot of great stuff in it, and I truly hope that the next issue is not the last issue in the series. That would be such a bummer, because um, the series has been really great so far, even if it's kind of been slipping from my memory. Um, uh, at times, um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm really hopeful that uh, that if the series does continue, it will continue to be great. Uh, but if it does end after six, I will be incredibly sad. Uh, so yeah, this one got an eight point five out of ten for me. Really satisfied. Strong conclusion to this arc. It'll be interesting to see how the fallout with Atlantis and the death of Arthur all plays out in the next issue. Yes. My comments are I have not had an opportunity to read this yet. I oh, pulled right. a Brandon and completely forgot it existed. <laughs> it does happen. Yeah, I, I have also not really had an opportunity to read this, but I, <laughs> oh, no. I am super excited. Oh, uh, so I, I gave it a score of question mark out of 10. Um, oh, I love that. Which I, oh, that, I, that, that sounds older. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> NA out of 10, not applicable out of 10. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, well, no, it's, uh, like I said, exciting conclusion and, uh, you know, good stuff for the Aquaverse uh, as a whole. So, yeah. All right, well, all right, if all right, all right. we're all done with that. We will move on to our last title in the spotlight section, Task Force Z, number nine. <laughs> and I'm going to pass that one over to Rob uh, to give us a little details. Well, Task Force Walker is brought to us by, by writer Matthew Rosenberg with pencils from Eddie Barrows, inks from Eber Ferreira, and colors from Adriana Lucas with letters from Rob Lee. So Jason is meeting back up with his team to start their next mission, which they got the info from from a friendly spoiler. Uh, and that's not just a spoiler. It's a Stephanie Brown spoiler. She She's, a, she's still friendly to Jason. Yeah. Maybe. She had some hidden device there. We don't really know what that was about. At least I don't. But uh, we'll see. She did I like Jason give... and Steph being friends. We should see that more. Yeah, that'd be cool. There, there's so many connections and relationships in the, the Bat family that we haven't really seen a lot of that you just imagine are already there because they're all yeah. one big semi-happy family. Yeah. <laughs> semi. That's, that's <laughs> Most of the time. Yeah. 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 I mean... Dick's happy, but everyone else, it's, it's like <laughs> brooding by nature. Like, if you're going to be yeah. in the bathroom, you have to brood at some point. Yes. So, uh, so the team heads to an ice rink run by Powers International, but end up finding Sundowner instead. And after a brief battle, which Sundowner has the big upper hand, they end up capturing her and escape a police force outside uh, to take the Lazarus resin out of her body. Uh, meanwhile, Mr. Bloom has been up to some new tricks at Powers International, and with a floating bane appearing thanks to some discoveries about implants and venom that were uh, conducted on uh, experimentally by Dr. Acheron. 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 Yeah, something like that. Some, yeah. That guy from the past, the doctor that did this shit with the Lazarus <laughs> Resin, that guy. He did it. The dude so, from the place. Yeah, yes, the thing and that the, guy. The, the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, also, the, uh, the team. Has, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. The team has a new base, uh, which is actually the warehouse that Mister Freeze was working out of in a previous issue that they took him down in, uh, which was owned by none other than Roman Sionis, the Black Mask, who has uh, a new, another new Black Mask, oh. which is. Even creepier than the last. Dear God, just when he thought it, it couldn't get worse. Zippers for the eyes. Eyes. Why? 100% leather daddy mask. Oh, why? But, but only, not even, it's 50% leather daddy mask and 50% skull. Because he still had the yeah. skeleton teeth and then zipper eyes. And it's just disturbing. <laughs> I Well, I'm just wondering. What like, is going on? Under what, under what possible circumstances... Are you going to have to zipper your eyes shut? Like, oh, wow, that was really bad. I don't want to see that. Let me just zip my eyes shut. Oh, no, Batman's here. Let me. If I can't see him, he can't yeah, see me. No, it's, it's not and, how it yeah, works, Yeah, my eyes are closed. <laughs> Clearly, he can't hit me. Activate invisibility. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so. It's an aesthetic yeah. thing. It's a really creepy aesthetic, <laughs> but it's really well drawn. I'll give him that. Yes. Whoever's designing these masks, they're really good at it. I, fuck, you might be in the wrong line of work. 
I need to work in the BDSM yeah. industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as for this book, it's honestly still kind of charming with slight dips into horror and comedy that, that still makes it a really fun read. And you get it in droves in this issue. Mr. Bloom is a comedy powerhouse. And I never would have no. guessed. <laughs> no. Especially with uh, Dr. Kirk Langstrom next one. It's just fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, it's not much else to say. I give it an 8 out of 10. I, I'm really enjoying the series. Uh, the, the, art's, the art's quite good. I think it, it could still be better, but uh, it's, it's still quite good. Um, there's only so much you can do when you're drawing zombie villains. You know? Mm. If, oh, if you're are going we, are into too much about... detail. Uh, oh! Oh, shit. The, wow, the I completely moment? forgot a moment <laughs> yeah. that I... I, I messaged to Brandon when I read the issue. I'm like, a moment we've been waiting for this entire time has finally happened. And uh, from the moment we heard Powers International and Jerry Powers arrived, we've been waiting for Derek Yeah, which Powers I initially did not make that connection. <laughs> I, I kind of just thought it was like a, just like a generic name or maybe a fun reference. I didn't realize it was going to be a direct connection to, well, I'll, I'll let you say it specifically. Yeah, so... Derek Powers, who in the Batman Beyond timeline is none other than not only the CEO of uh, Powers Internet, well, I guess in, the, in that time it was Wayne Powers, mm. Powers Corporation, or whatever, uh, but he's Blight, the, the arch nemesis of Terry McGinnis. Uh, so we see him there as like a seven-year-old, he's a kid, uh, interacting with Mr. Bloom for some reason in the archives of Powers International. Yeah, Mr. Bloom has some interesting things to say about his mind. We still really don't know what the hell is the deal with Mr. Bloom and what the extent of his abilities are. So <laughs> it's been like seven years. Yeah. <laughs> Scott Snyder kind of just dipped and uh, <laughs> left that open for whoever to pick up. So Yeah, he opened um, up his ice rink. Did anyone else catch that? The Snyder ice rink in Bloodhaven? Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. I love when they do that. Reference yeah. other creators, great. Yeah, so I I'm, I was super excited to see Derek Power show up. Um, mm. Maybe uh, uh, more references to his potential future, but yeah, hopefully you not almost too have many, to wonder. That's just, if... that's just giving away the horse. Yeah, you almost have to wonder if this is like what really screwed him up, where he yeah. eventually become a you know a power hungry horrible monster. It's like, it was because I met Mr. Bloom and he made me feel terrible. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That would track. Yeah. Um, I mean, shit. I'd go crazy if I met Mr. Bloom. (laughs) You have a a, a beautiful mind. Like, thank you, Slender Man. Oh, yeah. Thank you, you weirdo with the flower mask. (laughs) Um. And the the juice got turned up in this issue. It feels like it's leading toward uh, an end to the to the story arc. Um, it's it's still a damn good book, but like the last page says, what's up with Bane? And he can fly now, so it's it's not regular Bane. They he wanted a Bane of his now. own. <laughs> he want, he wanted a Bane of its own. So they who? Fly who now. Who is this Bane? I mean, and finally, it explains why Bane is in two places, so that's cool. Doesn't explain how normal Bane survived the Joker attack or the death he was given. 
but um, it does explain why there's two. But who do you guys think this Bane is? This clone. apparently flying Bane. Yeah, clone would be my guess. Ooh, ooh, shit. Bizarro. Interesting. Oh, Maybe. No. A, a Bizarro Bane or Bizarro Bizarro? Maybe Biz- Either one would be terrifying. I mean, there, we don't really know how many clones or experiments of, of Superman Lex had. So, yeah. Right? We, we've seen how many different versions of uh, uh, clone Superboy, right? So Another match? Yeah. But maybe like, like B0.2. Or maybe he pulled Bizarro out of hell. Maybe. But I, I, I would hate to see that version of Bizarro yeah. just go all like zombie bane but that that just kind of kills all the character development they that he went through in the outlaws mm-hmm. yeah and I, at I some point wondering... like he's he's had yeah. full-on conversations with jason you think if you go mm-hmm. like read him uh it's me at some points you know <laughs> where's pop pop where's red her oh god yeah i miss read him and read her yeah i really I miss... like that book as for this one, man, I gave it an eight out of ten. Yeah, if I didn't give my score, I also gave it an eight out of, eight out of ten. Yeah, this one got a seven and a half for me. All right. Well, I guess that's it for the first half of the show, huh? Indeed, it is. So, before we get into our main books of this week, we are going to take a brief commercial break, but we will be right back. So, stay tuned. Now, back to our program. All right, we're back, and we're going to kick it off with Detective Comics number 1061 with our resident DC detective, Josh. Oh, I've been detecting <laughs> that this book has been really up and down for me lately. <laughs> but let's find out what about this one, all right, right? Uh, it was written by Mariko Tamaki and Nadia Shamas. Uh, art Inside and Out, Pencils, Eeks, and Colors by Ivis Reyes, David Mink, Danny Minky, and, and Brad and, and Anderson. Uh, lettering came from Ariana Marr. We start out finding out that Tali and Riddler are working together, and she's the one that turned over Caroline, Dub's daughter. Um, then we get a visit to Arkham Tower showing a group therapy session made up of people who committed crimes that nobody knows about, attended by Caroline, included in that group. Uh, Batman goes after Riddler, Caroline disappears, and Deb Donovan is left wondering what the hell happened, all while there's no proof tying Riddler to the stuff that he has been doing. It's a pretty decent transition to Ram, what I'm assuming is Ram V's run. Um... I hope he does something with it. If it was Mariko Tamaki, I probably would not be hopeful at this point. Um, in any case, it was not a bad issue, and it always looks good, except when Batman's eyes are overexpressive. Ivan Reyes quit doing that. Um, but uh, I was feeling generous, and though I probably would have normally given this a 7, I gave it an 8. And the backup is Gotham Girl Interrupted, written by Cena Grace, 
uh, art from David Leffham and Trish Mulvihill with Rob Lee on letters. And this is just wrapping up the crisis that Gotham Girl has been facing after finding... And then she finally finds out that Dr. Chase Meridian is innocent, not the one behind all the bad shit. And it ends with Talia possibly recruiting Gotham Girl as part of her uh, little army she's putting together, I'm assuming. Why else would she want Gotham Girl? And uh, it looks like we are going to find out more about that in the Batman vs. Robin book coming out. So uh, I gave that one a 7 out of 10. Altogether, I'm going to give it a 7.5. It, it, was, it was decent enough. It, nothing really pissed me off. The art was really good. And um, it was the end of two things that I could have lived without. So there is that. 7 and 3 quarters. Yeah, it was not a bad issue, but at least for me, it was very, very sloppy. Um, just, yeah. I, I don't know, it, it just felt like a really weird ending to this, and I, I don't know, I, I still didn't really understand the necessity of having Riddler be a part of this, other than Deb Donovan's daughter just felt compelled to like own up to her truth and was also blackmailed by I, I don't know it was I may, I may need to go back and, and reread this three issue but I, I just came to the end of this one and I was asking myself like why like why why was this a thing why why did this arc exist what was the point of it um unless it's and I set remarked, up Rob V's run I guess but I sort of question and I I remarked on our discord that uh this this arc is like a a classic example of when you're overstaying your welcome on a title because it feels like mariko tamaki's big story ended with arkham tower and then this was like oh i guess i still have three issues contracted uh riddler and then that's it um yeah and it's like (laughs) when you're done you're done like just leave no one's asking you to stay um so it was just, I don't know, it was really weird, and, like, I, I maybe, yeah, maybe rereading this, it may be a bit more enjoyable, but I, yeah, I just kind of came to the end of this, and I was like, what was the, why did, why did I read this? Why, why did I waste my time? Um, so yeah, that was just, I don't know, it was, it was strange. I mean, the art from Yvonne Race is great, as usual, and as exciting as it was to see him you know, as an artist in a main Batman title, not just drawing Batman and something else. I, I just wish the story could have been better. Um, so yeah, that was kind of disappointing. I'm not even going to talk about the backup other than it exists, I guess. Um, I had no thoughts on it whatsoever. I didn't really care about the first one. The second was fine. This one was just an utterly unremarkable chapter. So I really had nothing else to say. So backup was like, I didn't even really score it, to be honest. It just didn't even register for me. If I had to give it something, it'd be like a five, maybe, but uh, it feels like something that is not even worth my time to score, because my time is precious. Um, nobody really wants anything to do with Gotham Girl, let's face yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, m- maybe you could do something with Gotham Girl. I don't know. I think every character has a story, but this was not it, so uh, yeah, I don't know. This was This was strange. So I gave the backup, like I said, if I had to score it, five maybe, main story, seven. 
that's me being nice. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Well, yeah, uh, so that's over. That's the story. <laughs> it's finally over. It's over. We can get to Ron B. Now, I, I've been vocal about this arc uh, with the Riddler so far, how I've really enjoyed it, and I was thinking, like, this is this is what I'm looking for in Detective Comics, an actual friggin' mystery, uh, a detective story. Um and I, I enjoyed the first two chapters, but the end, while not for me horrible, it the twist ending is very generic uh, and just kind of cookie cutter of modern day mysteries. Um, mm-hmm. For some reason, the Deb Donovan's daughter just decided to kill herself. For some reason, Batman's rope was starting to snap. Hey. For some reason, Riddler was there. And the, there's just the whole thing is like this happened for some reason uh, but nobody knows why reason is plot um, plot, plot yes. needs <laughs> to like i you have no idea this i was reading it this morning on the bus you have no idea how hard i rolled my eyes when batman's <laughs> oh, rope I'm started to snap idea. like fuck i could see my brain it was so uh. like why <laughs> and he looks so shocked too it, this this no. man is more prepared. You'd think he'd <laughs> friggin' safety check his ropes before he went out. Like, I can understand if somebody today. threw a sharp rock at it or something, but why is it just starting to break as he's holding the weight of a woman half his size? It makes no sense. <laughs> no sense. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, Riddler had absolutely no purpose being there apart from for some reason people think he's a hero now. Um so yeah that's over gotham girl i thought was in comparison way better <laughs> because it, <laughs> it it was a much more interesting story overall compared to what we got by the end of the main story uh, i was not against gotham girl i thought it was an interesting go- go- gotham i think which his name gotham and gotham girl was an interesting mm-hmm. addition uh to the gotham city franchise story yeah mythos yeah mythos yeah um and possibly technically i guess a strong start for tom king's run because the rest of the run wasn't that strong so i it it was i I was all for more gotham girl um Mm. and i'm hoping we get to see more that that last page reveal i hope that pays off though even that as a twist is kind of generic and also for some reason this happened so fuck i don't know i i scored it a seven as a whole i didn't score them separately i just scored it the whole issue as a seven as a generic basically a generic score of seven much like the endings of those stories yeah i'm gonna have to change my score i give it a six (laughs) well if the if the tagline the tagline to the uh, to the to the next issue or the the tease to the next issue is anything. It's a new team, a new tale, and I'll add an extra, a new start for Detective Comics. So Everything it's like you said, Rob. At least it's over. It's done. Yes. Right. So we're, we're moving <laughs> on. New team, new era, new everything. Yeah. Yay. Except the new Don't Batman. Let us down, Rob. You haven't yet. Yeah. <clears throat> Okay, All right, should we move on to our next one? 
think yeah. so. Yeah. Go up, up, up to the next one. We will. We will go up, 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 mm. all the way off to War World in Action Comics number 1044. Uh, this is, of course, brought to us by, I'll use the phrase I used earlier, our masters, uh, Mr. Philip Kennedy Johnson with art from Will Conrad and um, um, uh, Ricardo Federici with colors from Lee Lowridge and uh, letters from Dave Sharp. Uh, this is, yeah, Action Comics 1044, part five of the War World saga, um, which... Uh, maybe this is just the name of this arc, but I feel like the War World Saga has been a lot longer than that for part five, at least. Um, but, uh, oh, wait. Oh, what the? Wait. I- I'm so sorry. I'm looking at the wrong issue. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm off my game today. Oh, my God. How embarrassing. <laughs> oh, no. Not part five. part five. Yeah, it was like, wait a minute. I was looking at my my summary for 1040. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm uh, off so my this game is today. Chapter three, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is it weird because I had the creative you team. Halfway through at first. Yeah, which is weird because <laughs> I have the creative team for 1044. So I must have... Okay. That happened. Right anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, I have my summary. I just... Uh, I'm, I'm a mess today. Um, anyway, yes, this is not part five of World Saga. This is part two of World Revolution. Same creative team, as I said, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art from Ricardo Federici and Will Conrad with colors from Lee Lowridge and letters from Dave Sharp. Uh, after some backstory on the origin of Orphan, Clark and the Authority work to free the Enchantress, but do so at the cost of a near-deadly encounter with one of Mongols' cabal, the sorceress known as Mother. In the meantime, Mongol is working to bring Light Ray back, which uh, my computer has wonderfully autocorrected to lightly, um, back but is encountering difficulty <laughs> and reminds her that Mongol's will has superiority, not hers. Yikes. After fierce battle, the authority free the Enchantress and escape Mother's cave, while Mother goes after Mongol, furious that he has failed to keep her safe. Mongol makes quick work of her, reminding her who is really in charge of War World, who really uh, wears the armor around here, um, <clears throat> before turning his attention back to his latest project, the resurrected Light Ray, only with a far more Black Racer-inspired twist. Uh, back on Earth in our backup, which is brought to us also by Philip Kennedy Johnson, but this time art by David Latham and colors from Trish Mulville, same letterer, um, <clears throat> Steel, Supergirl, and Lois are trying to find a way to keep Thal Law's energy levels normal without draining the Genesis fragment. Kara takes her to the sun, but Lois and John Henry know that this can't be a permanent solution and they need something that is more lasting. Cut to Bell Rev, and Amanda Waller is also has that fragment on her mind as she has a conversation with an old Superman enemy about just how she might get that fragment back. Chaos is sure to ensue. Um... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, have, I have no other words for this book anymore. Um, like, uh, what, I don't, what else can I even say? What else say is there even left to say? It's totally shui. It's just awesome. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like such a California so surfer, bro, saying that. But, I mean, it's true. Like, I, I have no 
more words for this book other than it's just an awesome read every single month it comes out and I I yep. feel like I never have any complaints. It just keeps the action going, no pun intended, um, and just keeps my excitement and my engagement going with each month. And, I mean, it just blows my mind that, that the story – I mean, I, I do think that maybe it probably should start wrapping up some of the world stuff soon, but I, I don't, like, feel any rush to get there. Like, I'm kind of satisfied with where it is right now, and as long as it continues yep. to have this quality of storytelling – like. If you want to keep this pacing, yeah, go for it. Like, I'm not complaining. Um, but, yeah, it just blows my mind that we've we've only been on this one Warworld story for the past year. And this is, like, only the first leg of what I assume is, you know, Philip Kennedy Johnson's entire run. Because if there are other arcs following this, I can only imagine what else he's going to do. And I already know that's coming because he talked about the next uh, villain that he's going to bring in, which he didn't mention specifically, but it's an old Superman one that he's hoping to reinvent and I'm really hoping it's Brainiac but anyway um yeah I just I, like I said I don't have any other words for this book then it's awesome it's great it's radical it's totally awesome it's totally bodacious um so and trivial. you should be buying it and that's it that's all I have to say um backup Equally awesome. Uh, David Latham doing Steel is something I didn't know I needed, but now I want to see more of it. Looks good, um, though, don't it? Yeah, it looks great. Um, and I admit I'm not very familiar with the villain Conduit, um, but I know he's a Superman oh, okay. villain, so... Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so, I uh, like I said... Shortly awesome. after the return of Superman... Huh, okay. I, I just know because I had a I had a, a conduit action figure with a trading card when I was a kid, and I just <laughs> nice. I like looked up stuff about him in in uh, guidebooks. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was way too young to be reading action at the time. <laughs> <laughs> ah, he fine. must have been really significant because I don't remember him at all. Yeah, I got the it, point that he he came you know from before, but I didn't. I was like, I don't know who the hell this guy is. From what really, I remember, really uh, Kenny Braverman was a friend of Clark Kent's, or I think somebody from Smallville High that he knew, and he worked as an, an electrician or, or something to do with, with cable work, and something mm-hmm. happened, and uh, I don't remember what exactly his his abilities were, whether it was a suit or what, but basically he had uh, conduit cables that he could use as, as weapons that came out of his suit and they were electrified if I remember correctly and it oh was a, a big thorn in Superman's <clears throat> side and when I was five years old I thought he was like freaking bodacious and cool as well <laughs> so I was really excited to see Kenny Braverman show up <laughs> <laughs> well that's cool Yeah, hopefully, hopefully yeah. you'll be even more uh, excited in the next issue yeah the action figure was awesome. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his suit it looks cool. Coiling well, action. A picture of it, but uh, yeah. For me, the backup was okay enough. Um, pretty much just like a meanwhile story. I'm assuming we're going to get bigger things tying it to the main story eventually. Um, but uh, it, it wasn't unrelated, and I wish that more books... Did that made made the backup a story that was directly and obviously related to the main the main story in the book? Um, that makes sense. 
But this is this is definitely not the old Superman villain that is going to show up in the main story, right? I mean, right? Because <laughs> that would uh, suck. Oh, like, are you talking Maybe? about Conduit? I don't know. I, yeah, I'm talking about Conduit. Honestly, I hope not. <laughs> I thought I thought Conduit well, was super I mean, cool, but no, you could do better yeah. than him. <laughs> well, maybe maybe he's got like something really planned, like you totally reinvent the character and make it awesome. I'm I'm totally for that. Like I we'll love see. when someone will step in and just you know take a otherwise forgotten character and just you know completely reinvent them. I mean, if, hey, that's you, that's how Batman Incorporated it, got yeah, started. Let's, yeah, let's see what happens, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, the main story story was awesome. Art, as always, was awesome. But um, calling Light Ray the Black Razor is just dumb and a missed opportunity, and it should be light side, and you'll never change my mind. Eight point seven. I gave I gave the book an eight point five out of ten. Right now, yeah, it's it's fuck what a book still. Um, it is, and this is honestly like a very stupid like pulling at straws nitpick that even I think is is dumb to say. It's starting to drag, but only because it has been going on so long, and that's even just a personal preference for me. Uh, it was the same thing with Planet Hulk, but you have this long, epic tale, uh, and it just, you know, like, you know eventually it's going to end, and, and the character's going to get back to normal, and you're like, this is so, so fucking cool, but like I, I want to see how this ties together. You know, <laughs> like, hurry up, right? Um, especially now that we have an an end goal, an end goal to look forward to, we know when the story is going to cap off. So now yeah. we're just kind of in the final stretch. Uh, things are starting to come to a head. So it's fucking gorgeous to look at still. Um, so talk about art you want to hang up. My God, this you know, Ricardo right? Federici just does so such a ho- Holy shit, that cover. Yeah. Oh my god, it was so gorgeous. I was going to pick anything. I thought it was Liam Sharp at first, but I was, yeah, I was surprised to see it was someone else. Uh, I don't, I I didn't look to see who it was, but Jesus, man. I mean, talk about amazing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Luca, Lucio Perillo, who I. I've it never heard. Doesn't of. sound familiar. Yeah, yeah, very, very awesome. Very, very beautiful. Very dynamic. Very heavy metal. Dangerous. <laughs> I give you the perfect transition starter. Very dynamic. Very dynamic. Well, I'm not. I haven't given my score yet. <laughs> oh, you didn't give yeah, score well, yet? I thought we were oh, waiting for off. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. My bad. No, I thought you were doing a whole Dirks impression. That's finished. why I called you Dirks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. Very cool. Yeah, so uh, the backup. Fuck, we need more steel in our lives. I need more John Henry Irons. <laughs> fuck, where's he been? Keep it going. Uh, Kenny Braverman, good to see you. Hope it's not spoiled. Uh yeah, eight point seven five for the whole issue. I I don't think I'm gonna be scoring back up separately anymore. It just feels awkward to score a, a seven eight page story. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it feels better to score the issue as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. 
well. All right. Well, that on was that, that was dynamic, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. On that not quite so <laughs> dynamic end, let's move on to our next title, featuring something far more dynamic with Rob. Rob in. Wait. Oh my god, it's like so Robin. fucked today. Rob is in <laughs> Robin fifteen. Because I was like I just I saw, like I have it on, on my my script as Robin fifteen dash Rob and I just saw the two Robs and my brain like went, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold Lights. up. <laughs> the gears are turning. Um, I can make this happen. Yeah. Wait. Uh, wait, no, my brain I can't oh no. Robin fifteen with Rob. Right. That's right. It's me and Damien. Uh, so, this is not Robin number 15. I think of 18. I think it's the final issue, right? Or 19? They, they've, they've capped that off as well now, unfortunately. Uh, but this is written by Joffre Williamson uh, with pencils from Roger Cruz, inks from Norm Ratman, and colors from Luis Guerrero, and letters from Troy Pateri out on his own. Uh, so Robin is beating on some clowns in Gotham, not the usual ones, like literal fucking clowns, uh, with an overpacked tiny car and everything, and they come out and drove, and yes, like, stop, like, did that really just happen? Like, six mm-hmm. people got out of that bed. <laughs> Clown car. <laughs> yeah, so they, they were moving in on Joker's turf, because it's Gotham, there may be clowns, but they're still criminals. And he's making easy work of them until, as I mentioned, more show up out of a tiny car and surround him. And all of a sudden, it's too many clowns. Uh, Just then, Batman, Tim Robin, Nightwing, and the Batgirls arrive to help out. And they make quick work of the lot. Afterwards, Batman and Robin get word from Oracle at a little pizza party at the Batcave that Talia has escaped DEO custody. Uh, They give chase and find her at the docks. And Talia asks Damien to come with her. Batman denies that, and the pair begin to fight, but Damien stops them instantly and says he does not want to go with either of them. He wants to find his own path and grow as himself. His parents agree to that and part ways with Talia diving into the water. She then appears in an alley, I assume somewhere in Gotham, where she finds a car and a jumpsuit with a sword. Uh, A sweet-looking car and a sweet-looking jumpsuit and a sweet-looking sword. I should have added that word in all three of them. Who the hell (laughs) is leaving swords laying around? You know, well, well, when you got it, turns like that, out, you know, yeah, it turns out it was Director Chase, and she's uh, Talia is working with the DEO and Director Chase as per her escape as a spy for Chase into the criminal underworld, a deal similar but... to the one her father Raish made before his untimely death at the hands of Geoforce. Uh, so Robin, meanwhile, makes his way back to Lazarus Island and finds Connor Hawk watching over the progress they've made as they're turning it into a proper island with homes and a good livelihood. Uh, home away from, uh, I guess, home for souls that are lost and wandering, much like the, the two we see before us. Uh, XXL and Black Swan stuck around since going home did not feel the same, as I mentioned a feeling Damien and Connor can reciprocate. Uh, just then, a figure appears out of the ocean, being none other than Lord Deathman, claiming Flatline is out of control and he needs help stopping her. So this is still the best thing Williamson has written. I think it will continue to be the best thing Williamson has written uh, going forward, at least for this year. It's a wonderful art and still an interesting plot with a really fresh direction for Damien. He's he's taken Damien and, and just grown him oh, up naturally amazing. it's really cool to see like even if you think back to issue one 
he just feels so much younger than he does in this issue. Yes, he does. It, it's You're wild. right about that. Yeah, it's it's really well done. <laughs> and the art's pretty cool too, I, I must say. Like the the art throughout the entire run so far has been fairly consistent and very interesting the entire time. I gave this one an 8.5 as kind of an in-between issue, but it's got some cool family moments and uh, uh, criminal clowns with bad jokes and everything and stupid makeup. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> so you got that. That was fun. Well, I mean, how how can you not like this issue? Um, got flat Flatline trying to kill Lord Deathman completely out of nowhere, but I'm sure we'll see it in our very next issue. And Bird Boy Island. I mean, that that that's awesome. <laughs> now, they're going to call it Bird Boy Island, I would assume, because what else are they going to do? Call it the cage? That's just a little on the nose, I mean, don't you think? It's, 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 it's an island. Or the aviary, maybe? Yeah, the aviary. Like Ooh, yeah. yeah. They should Maybe honestly nice. like take a page out of uh, Injustice, give it like a really stupid name, and then have like some somebody show up and just come up with a oh way better name, like Harley <laughs> Quinn with the quiver. The quiver. Yeah. Wait, you have you guys seen that animated movie, the Injustice, the animated Injustice movie? No, actually. Oh yeah, of course. I don't oh, watch God. that. Oh my God, that movie's such a joke. Well, we can talk about that later. But... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can't, oh, I can't, I can't not think of like that scene between Green Arrow and Harley Quinn without thinking of the animated movie. Now, I, I don't even think of the comic or the video game anymore. I just think of the movie because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> uh, uh, th- this Lord Deathman shit. I, like I said, I have a feeling we're going to find out in the very next issue. But I'll also say this: um, please don't take the whole issue to tell us what happened. Don't take up the whole book. It, I can almost guarantee there's that there will be no reason to have it drawn out as long as they as long as they plan to. But I hate filler issues. Unfortunately, I think that's what we're gonna get. But this one, I gave an eight point five out of ten. Nice. Yeah. Um, I I did like this issue. Um, I thought it was a, a good way to wrap up Shadow War while also tying back to the stuff from the first two arcs, um, the whole Lazarus tournament. Um, <clears throat> but I am worried because I don't know if this series is coming to an end after issue 17, if that's been confirmed or not. I, I don't know. Um, or if yeah, it's there, still there going is a on. final issue listing. Okay. Oh, it, oh it, so it says final issue. Yeah, I don't know if it's 17, though. I, I really think it's 18 issues. Okay. But yeah, because for, yeah, for some reason I thought it was 17. But I know I know it's when Williamson's leaving the title. But my concern is just it feels like because there's an end in sight and it's really only like three or four issues, it's just going to be kind of a really quick wrap-up and then it's just going to feed directly into Batman versus Robin. Robin. And while that's that's not necessarily a bad thing, 
it would just be kind of a really weak way to end this book with a non-ending, um, but just something that feeds into something else. Like I would want, for, for as great as the Lazarus term it was, I would want the book as a whole to have a, you know, a satisfying ending, not just something that leads into yet another event. Um, so I, I just, I can kind of feel that here a little bit. Like it, it was, like I thought of Grayson for some reason. Like Grayson clearly had a point where... <clears throat> Because they knew Rebirth was coming and they needed to hurry up and get Nick, or Nick, Dick back as, God, I'm just all over the place today. I'm so sorry, guys. Um, they needed to get Dick back as Nightwing. Um, they just, like, were like, all right, speed it up. Like, let's get to 20 and then we're done. Um, and I, I kind of feel that a little bit here where as much as I really did enjoy the issue and, and you know, seeing the, the family again and really seeing Damien and, uh, and his, his parents and, and everything else, like all that stuff was great. Um, and how can you not love a Batman and Son reference in the first page? I, I just, I worry that this is going to have kind of a rushed ending because it needs to just feed directly into the next story. Um, and I, I really hope that doesn't happen, especially considering that Josh Williamson has had such a great track record of not having a disappointing ending on this book that it would really suck to just fall prey to that yet again. Um, so yeah. I'm hoping that's not the case. I gave this an 8 out of 10. I was a little nervous about it at first. Um, I, I almost gave it a 7.75, but I decided to be nice and give it an 8 because um, I did really like the art here. But I just I worry that because there's only a certain number of issues left, it won't be able to have a really satisfying ending. So I hope it proves me wrong. I really do. Um, but I can kind of I can kind of see it a little bit, and I'm, I'm worried. Yeah, not, nothing Tynan's ever, or Williamson, <clears throat> excuse me, nothing Williamson's ever done has uh, led us to believe that he would be able to stick a landing, yeah. especially after I mean, I, I think, run. yeah, maybe if he had more issues, but yeah, my concern is like, even when he did have more issues, it wasn't always that great. Now he only has three to wrap up the entire series, potentially, and tie it into the next thing, and that's asking a lot. So, well, According uh, to Legal Comic Geeks, what the solicits like... they have listed, that's exactly what he does. Legatory <laughs> uh, yeah. bitch yeah. about his five years on Flash remark. Oh, man. It just, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I mean, ending a series in three issues is already tough, but... You know, having it yeah. be done by the guy who has notoriously not exited books very well is is uh, yeah. uh, not motivating I, you, at all. You were right; it is seventeen issues, and that is let's say the okay. final issue with a Damn. really cool uh, cover, I gotta say, and extra pages, yeah, two pages. And, and to just to, to comment on on you saying that he's finished two story arcs rather well, I, I gotta point out that those story arcs. Uh, kind of flowed into each other so the entire run feels like one big ongoing story so I don't want to say mm. that any end has happened yet so uh, that's true that, that's true that's where the track record stands uh, the end's gonna suck <laughs> yeah yeah, that, yeah that is yeah. fair I guess <clears throat> I was just thinking because like I know when it was collected it was like the first six issues and the last six so I guess I was treating it but yeah you're right like the whole thing was yeah. just one big 12 issue story and even that fed directly into Shadow War so I guess it wasn't even yeah. really an ending too oh, like no. Shadow War was really the only break, oh no but that wasn't I was like end, nice end in Robin because the end of Shadow War was in the Omega issue crap damn man I was <laughs> not, trying not to be nice to this I know. damn I was, I was really trying hoping... to be nice about this 
there might be like because it it definitely sounds like it's going to flow directly into Batman versus Robin. So maybe yeah. there's a loophole there where, you know, Joshua Williamson may be ending his run, but he's not ending the story. So, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe there's a loophole here and we'll actually get a satisfying conclusion uh, to a Williamson story. We'll really see. hope so. Yeah. We'll see. Oh, well. Yeah. Anyway, 8 out of 10 for me. Right. All right, well, if there's All nothing right. left to say about our, our devilish little Robin friend, then we'll move on to someone equally as devilish, or probably even more so. Um, but I'll say equal just because we're looking back to the past, so he hasn't really become as horrible as he will yet become. Uh, that is Deathstroke, Inc., number 10, <clears throat> the start of Deathstroke, year one. Uh, this is written by our friend of the show, Mr. Ed Brisson, with art from Dexter Soy, colors from Veronica Gandini, and letters from Steve Wands. Um, this really doesn't have a ton of meat, so my summary is going to be fairly short. Um, but this is just the origin of Deathstroke, starting from the very beginning with the ACTH, ACTH experiments. Uh, and the issue begins immediately following uh, the injection of the ACTH into Deathstroke. He's a bit of a freak out. He's totally out of control and has lost all his memories and has to be put down uh, by the rest of the armies before he can be strapped down um, and sedated uh, and, and can be calmed down before he has any more irrational actions. Uh, but following that, he's visited by friends and family, Wintergreen and uh, Dr. Isherwood, um, as well as his wife, Adeline Kane, um, and uh, his son, Grant uh, Jericho. Joseph has not been born at this point, so it's just uh, Grant uh, for his children right now. Um, but really throughout this, this early part, Slade is, has really been suffering um, from the effects of the ACTH, and it seems like he is damn near death. In fact, so much so that they have to throw him in some kind of pit to see if he's actually going to survive uh, the rest of the night, um, where... Slade is, is, you know, seemingly on the verge of death. Um, but somehow he ab is able to climb out of it, um, though may or may not have changed him for the worse. I would say definitely changed him for the worse, um, but uh, that, that remains to be seen. And Slade makes his way home, uh, where he is welcomed and celebrated uh, by the rest of his family. Takes on a job working security, but clearly hates it. Doesn't like working for, as he puts it, uh, rich, stuck-up stiffs. Uh, and is trying to be a good father, though not doing a great job there either, because his idea of bonding is taking Grant to kill animals in the woods. Not exactly <laughs> what I would imagine uh, puts two father, or puts a father and son together. Um, but uh, Slade is, is really just looking for that 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 extra something, something to kind of get him feeling again. And he's going out late into the night, going to bars and, and uh, other places and getting into fights. And eventually one lands him in the slammer um, and uh, not in the best shape, uh, as uh, Adeline points out, um, and really kind of chides him about how he either needs to make up his mind about being a good father or, you know, being a soldier. Um, 
And that decision is coming a lot sooner than Slade realizes as after taking uh, Grant to a park, he is approached by a member, presumably of the military, though we're not given a specific organization, uh, who wants to silence the rest of the people who were involved in the ACTH experiments, particularly one who was a whistleblower who was right about to go on the stand or is right about to testify um, on the stand about uh, the ACTH experiments and the numerous people that had died. And they're willing to pay him a million dollars to take this guy off the board. Slade thinks about it for a moment. And I don't really think I need to say what kind of decision he makes because it should be pretty obvious. I mean, it's called Deathstroke Year One. You can safely assume that Slade took the contract. Um, but no, I really liked this one. I mean, I'm just going to start from the art because Dexter Soy is amazing. And every time he's oh, on a project, God, yes. it's, it's always yeah. so awesome. And I have been waiting since, like, Red Hood and the Outlaws, like, 2016, for this man to go off and do some crazy shit at, like, Dark Horse, where he'll be fully uninhibited and he can use all his influences because he just does this great fan art on uh, Instagram that I'm just obsessed with. But if this is what we're getting, then I'm not really going to complain. But I'm telling you, Dexter, you need to go off and make your own thing. One of these days. Um, but yeah, art-wise, great stuff from Dexter Soy and Veronica Gandini. Really loved it. Um, and uh, as, as for our friend Ed Brisson, I feel like he does a, a very solid job um, delivering an early Deathstroke, one who's not quite as uh, grizzled as he will later be, but still kind of has a definite chip on his shoulder. Um, you see that, that he's not, you know, he's not a, a total jackass yet, um, but he definitely feels some contention with members of his family and other people that he's with. Um, so I thought that was interesting. But no, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I didn't really have a lot personally to say. Um, it just just kind of interesting to see this this year one story for Deathstroke. And I don't know, like, I, I, I kind of just want to see where it's going. Like, I don't, I don't know that I have any other major thoughts. I'm just, I'm just kind of like, yeah, let's, let's see how this story plays out and, and what a young Slade will get up to. Um, in his uh, early days. So, yeah, this one got an 8.5 out of 10 for me. I didn't really have much to complain about, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, this story goes off really well with uh, everyone else. Me too. And a sick cover from Mikhail Hanin, I have to say that. I don't know if he colored it, because um, I, I wasn't sure. I was like, these colors look really great. Like, I don't know if this is someone else. And I don't see anyone listed in the credits, so I'm going to assume that he did it on his own, which, you know, if that's the case, props. Like, that's did a really great job on this, uh, on this Slade. Yes, yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little on the other side. I, I feel like for the year one story for Deathstroke, this was a pretty good job. But I also feel like with the amount of extraneous books that are getting released by DC, Deathstroke year one could have easily just been a three-issue mini or, or something along those lines that um, I'm sure would have sold pretty decently. I hate to see something like this um, take up a, a, a main a, a main story when there's there's really no reason for it to. Um, but it was it was a good story. The way that they handled it was really good. I liked it. I can get behind it. Um, it was kind of cool. I just, I, I, I just wish it was an extra book instead of one that was going on in the main continuity. I gave it a seven point seven five out of ten. Yeah, Mister Brisson, you make good stories. 
Yes, yes, he does. Yeah, yes. yeah. Way better than Mister Christie makes cookies, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I'm not sure if we've seen Slade's story this far back. I don't think we have, have we? Before. I think we've had like glimpses, but not, yeah. not yeah. nothing cemented. Nope. There were like a lot of flashbacks in the priest run, if I remember correctly, but it wasn't like a proper year one story. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So, so this is cool to see. It's it's certainly interesting so far. Um, yeah, a lot of cues I I feel from from other stories, but it's also like like you guys have mentioned, there's been hints and and fragments of his history in the past so it's it's very much a given that there's going to be some connections and quite honestly the parallels with deadpool still (laughs) it it just still definitely looks like they're giving him a push too yeah so it was really cool the art was fantastic the story was really interesting i i gave this one a nine out of ten and I, I get what you're saying, Josh, too, about um, uh, just to interrupt what's been a, an amazing run so far. But at the same, like, I'm only taking it as the fact that they've got Deathstroke tied up very heavily in Dark Crisis, and I think they're trying to avoid yeah. yet another continuity question. Like, how was he in two places at once? So we're just going to do like a, a history lesson while he's off doing this thing, burning down Titan's Tower. And when that's done, we'll get back to hopefully actually get back to Deathstroke Inc. and it won't just end the series abruptly with just this story because it has been quite quite the fucking good run so far. You know, hopefully they can keep it going after year one. Like, they don't... Yeah, Yeah. that that would just be a very strange end, like you said, where you just have this flashback story and then it's it. Like, it's over. Mm Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't be the weirdest thing that we've ever seen happen. Yeah, um, but it w- it would be kind of a, a disappointing end for this series, which you know has been pretty fun for the most part. Um, so hopefully that is not the case. Uh, but yeah, I don't have any uh, other titles, and I don't think we have any other that we'll be covering today. So. Without any further ado, we are going to move to our top three books for this week. So I'm going to pass it over to Josh to kick us off. And, uh, yeah, what were your top three books of the week, man? Um, number three, I gave the Swamp Thing. It's pretty kick-ass. Number two, a little bit more kick-ass, and that is Robin. And number one, art, cover, story. It's just hands down amazing action comics. My favorite moment, though, um, I I couldn't decide between two of them. One is uh, seeing Green Lantern Swamp Thing. That was pretty awesome. Then the um, the artwork for uh, where they're showing Trinity there for that nuclear explosion. That looked pretty damn cool, man. That that was that was really really nice. I think that one's my favorite moment. Very cool, Rob. Mm-hmm. How about you? Okay, uh, number three, I had Deathstroke, Inc. Uh, yeah, honestly, just fantastic so far. Number two, I had Action Comics. I did flip them where Deathstroke, Inc. actually scored higher than Action, but Action's just freaking epic right now, so that, that definitely got number two. Uh, and number one, I had the Swamp Thing, just, like, utterly phantasmable. 
and for favorite moments, I actually took from Robin. Uh, this is Robin disappearing on Batman at the docks, and then you see Batman's look of pride and also confusion, and uh, and him saying, "What the fuck, really? That's my move. You just said you wanted to grow on your own and do your own thing, and you're stealing <laughs> right. my shit." Fuck off. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, was, eat me, Batman. Yeah. You stole it from ninjas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, mine are, are very similar to yours, uh, Rob. At number three, I had Deathstroke Inc. At number two, uh, I had The Swamp Thing. Uh, and at number one, I had Action Comics, which originally my uh, number one and number two were flipped, but just going through Action Comics again reminded me of how much I freaking loved this issue. And this series as a whole. Um, not you, Siri. Jesus, every time. I'm sorry, you have to cut that out. <laughs> every time I say serious, it pops up. Um, Never going to happen. Anyway, yeah. Um, sorry. Uh, no, my favorite moment uh, was also from Robin. Um, uh, and as silly as it was, um, there was something just so so wonderful about a splash page of Robin fighting multiple clowns um, that uh, I, I don't think it was supposed to be funny but it just really made me laugh because it's just like all these ridiculously dressed clowns in black and red and white and Robin's just being the stuffing out of them um, and yeah. he's like now I know why I hate clowns or now I know why people hate clowns and just I don't know that one was working for me so yeah that was my favorite moment What's even wilder for me about that moment is it just jumps to it. And it just jumps to a page of, of Robin, like, jump-kicking a clown in the face, and there's other ones chasing after me, like, oh, yeah, no, that tracks. That's Gotham City. That just makes perfect sense. Yeah. And they don't explain it for, like, another page and a half why the, why this is happening. But you're like, no, I get this. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah, it's, just, it's clowns. Yeah, it's what Gotham City. You, you just accept it's Gotham. There's, exactly. You expect clowns. Yeah. Even if they're renegade clowns. Yeah, it's like going to Central City and not expecting rogues. Like you're gonna you're gonna see some rogues. Come on. Yeah. Well, I guess that is it for the good side of things, huh? It is, it is. And unfortunately we now have to turn our attention to the worst job possibly can. So we gotta bust out that plunger, get some Febreze, and turn our attention to <laughs> The biggest, the biggest thinker. thinker. Oh, that's nasty. <laughs> so, which was your biggest thinker for this week, gentlemen? Um, mine, it could have been Deathstroke just because of the filler issue, but for me, the biggest thinker is going to have to be Detective Comics. It was just way too all over the place. It assumed you knew what was going on. It was sloppy. Mm. Not not impressed with it whatsoever. Looking forward to the next team. Yes, yeah. I also had Detective Comics. Uh, again, just a very sloppy way to end it. Um, I, I didn't want to put it on here because it is the last issue, and like at least it's over. I wanted to give it, you know, the benefit of the doubt, but it really was the weakest one I read this week. So, gotta gotta be honest with myself. And I almost would have made it a hat trick because I almost picked Detective Comics, but compared to my actual biggest stinker, I actually got some enjoyment out of Detective Comics, even with my eye rolling, because that got some kind of a reaction out of me. But when I went through Batman Fortress, I had no fucking reactions. I don't even know what the point of this book is. 
Yeah, I, I just, is even, highly disappointing. Yeah, I, I we're on I issue issue one was very disappointing. I think issue two has got to go somewhere, and it did go somewhere, but not very far. <laughs> and it still has not followed through with what the ad campaign was following through with. Uh, so I'm just very confused about what the point of this book is, and it really feels like it's it's just giving Derek Robertson a venue to just write some gory or draw some gory shit, which seems to be his his strong suit. But it's not—it's <laughs> not a good reason to write a comic, <laughs> unless you're Garth Ennis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. Uh, I assume this guy is no Garth Ennis. No, it's not—it's not like that adult content themed, like with the gratuitous yeah. gore. Um, oh yeah, yeah. There, yeah. there, there is a death moment. There might have been a couple of death moments. There's definitely some some moments of what the fuck, but. They're not even that great. It's just, no. it's very generic, very lackluster, and it's what's the fucking point? What's yeah. the fucking point, indeed? <laughs> what's the fucking point? So dumb. The point is, is to join our Discord. Yes. yes. We can talk about this all the time. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, yeah. But yeah, with uh, all that wrapped up, and uh, it sounds like we don't have anything we want to nominate for the dump list, that will be Not it this for week. this episode. No. Yeah, then that will be it for this episode of the DC Comics Review Show. Uh, we will be here next week talking comics, and we hope you'll stop by. Uh, remember to go to. Uh, buymeacoffee.com forward slash podcasts again for one time donation or full subscription we really appreciate the support and there's a lot of great access uh, to our, our exclusive content that is definitely worth your time uh, with all that said there's only one way that we say goodbye around here until next time be good to each other and don't be a robot All right, so if it's not Emi- if it's not Emiko, then who do you guys think Red Canary is? I'm honestly kind of camping for Alicia Yo. What'd you say? Yeah, the only only other one I can see is is uh, shoes or um, uh, I mean it would just have to be someone who kind of has that connection um, to. Batman or the Birds of Prey or sorry not Batman Batgirl or the Birds of Prey or something like that. At least it could be. Arrowette just did make an an appearance for no reason. Yeah, could also just be an original character. Yeah. Williamson's also been really good at making original characters and just not making them good. (laughs) That is true. Like yeah, it could just be totally new. Every of the other forces in the Flash. Oh, God.